0: What is going on, movie lovers? Welcome back to another edition of No Content for Old Men. This is the podcast where every week I give you reviews of the latest movies and some streaming suggestions for your weekend. As always, I'm your host, Matt Craig. Thank you so much for listening. And this week, we're doing our State of the Union address, if you will uh, the state of movies in 2023. I, I know, I mean, I released on New Year's Eve my list of every movie that I had ranked in 2023 from one to more than 70. But I thought we needed a big picture look at the, at the year and you know the trends, where, what we learned, where we're headed. So that's what we'll be doing. Uh, then, of course, there will be the usual something new, something old, and something to stream. I think all three of those movies in this, this case uh, are very, very good. And I'd highly recommend them. So you'll want to stick around for that. But first, Mr. President, the State of the Union is strong. Well, we've watched them. We've ranked them. We've drilled down on the individual merits of more than 70 movies that were released this year. Now the only question that remains is, what does it all mean? Firstly, it needs to be said that 2023 was a very good uh, year for movies, the best since 2019. It was pacing toward being a great year with Spider-Verse and Past Lives and a total of nine movies that would finish in my top 15 for the year being released before what we at this newsletter call movie season. But unfortunately, I found the award slate to be somewhat disappointing, and I realize this—that's very subjective. Uh, I mean, I've heard convincing cases for the brilliance of Poor Things or The Zone of Interest or even the holdovers. But to me, these movies were a mixed bag of incomplete promise, and i uh, and they failed to elbow their way into the top of my rankings. More exciting than the quality of this year's movies was their relevance. The Barbenheimer phenomenon brought the form into the mainstream in a way that really hasn't been done in years, because both Barbie and Oppenheimer were they were huge successes, but they were labeled and thought of as movies rather than you know comic book theme park rides, to borrow a term from Mr. Scorsese. It's wishful thinking to look at this anomaly of the three highest-grossing movies of the year, not being remakes or sequels, and think the tables have turned on the IP era. Nine of the next ten on the list of top grocers don't qualify for that, and 2024 Slate is once again full of them. This is no artistic renaissance. If anything, the success of Barbie will bring on even more movies as product marketing, and the success of something like Five Nights at Freddy's and The Last of Us will launch a bajillion video game adaptations. But my glimmer of hope lies in the potholes, or excuse me, just the regular holes (laughs) pierced in the blockbuster armor. This year, more than the last several, huge movies that were considered bad underperformed, some even bombed, and big movies that were considered good overperformed. It seems like you can no longer slot in unnamed superhero movie Fall 2023 into a slideshow five years out, package some three-hour slop of movie stars and CGI, and expect everyone to gobble it up. That's really all I can hope for. Next year, we have Dune 2, Gladiator 2, Furiosa, and uh, the Joker sequel, Joker Folle Adieu. (laughs) And they're all sequels, and they're all big box office plays, and yet they were all conceived and created, at least we think, first to be good and second to make money. I'm choosing to be optimistic, of course, armed with the recent wobble of the streaming business and the announcement that the total box office receipts uh, totaled its highest amount since pre-pandemic 2019. Undoubtedly, studios are still tightening their belts, cutting down on the number of projects and budgets. Indies are really struggling to do good business. But if 2023 proved anything, it's that the cinematic art form, I roll, remains an essential part of popular culture. May it ever be thus. I also want to point out just a couple of these are quick hitters uh, of 2023 trends that I want, to, I want to get out there. First, just like everywhere else in society, <clears throat> steps on soapbox boomers in the movie biz are using the money and prestige accumulated over 80 plus years to do well whatever the hell they want whether that means a 3.5 hour condemnation like Martin Scorsese a movie about an Italian legend in which none of the principal actors are Italian like Michael Mann or piece together themes and images from your entire career into a self-obituary like Hayao Miyazaki Movies with, uh, number two, this is my second point. Movies with political and societal messaging are nothing new, but this year there were a bunch of movies that felt like more of the movie was happening off of the screen than on it. I'm talking about Killers of the Flower Moon, The Zone of Interest, Leave the World Behind, just to name a few. It was about the viewer, not the story of the movie. I don't know how many times in this newsletter I've quoted Cold War German filmmaker Ranier Werner Fassbender, but here's one more time. The revolution doesn't belong on the screen. Point three. If Hollywood is going to insist on pumping out tons of historical dramas and biopics, this year proved you have to do more than use beautiful images to faithfully reproduce a Wikipedia entry. Looking at you, Napoleon, Maestro, and the boys in the boat, they can work. The dramas, historical dramas can work if the filmmaker has a take or an angle as proven by BlackBerry, Ferrari, or Oppenheimer. Speaking of Oppenheimer, after the massive success, which, you know, it still might pass $1 billion at the box office, and it's a huge favor to win Best Picture, Christopher Nolan is the most powerful filmmaker in Hollywood. He might just be the new Steven Spielberg. Point number four. I'll just keep saying this until it's true. Margaret Qualley and Christopher Abbott are going to be big movie stars in the next couple of years. Book it. In fact, Quali's next movie is Ethan Cohen's Drive-Away Dolls. It's like it was designed in a lab for me to love. Point number five. TikTok is the kingmaker for movie openings, as proven by Megan early in the year and Five Nights at Freddy's later. Distributors are going to be increasingly desperate to game it, but so far it's proven to be unpredictable. So get ready for some really embarrassing marketing campaigns. The other kingmaker right now is IMAX. It's one of the few differentiators for moviegoers, goers, especially for event movies, and distributors were in giant fights over which of these select screens would play their titles. For example, they chose Oppenheimer one week after Mission Impossible and basically tanked it, even after Tom Cruise was calling theater owners personally to reconsider. And my final point, I mean, as long as we're talking year-end wrap-ups, I've been encouraged uh, by some friends to put together my own awards for the year. And I think it's a good idea, so I'll be putting it out closer to the Oscars. Uh, I just want to mention that in addition to you know best performance, whatever, best picture, et cetera, et cetera, I also want to include quirkier awards like funniest moment in a movie, coolest kill, those kinds of things. So if you have any ideas for award categories, let me know between now and then. Alright, every week I give you something new, something old, and something to stream. This week's Something New is, well, it's in a few theaters, but you would probably need to purchase it on uh, Video On Demand, so Amazon or Apple. It's Beyond Utopia. There weren't as many headline-grabbing documentaries this year, and I regret not seeking out more. uh, Because when you find a good one, it's hard for any fiction storytelling to live up. That's certainly the case with Beyond Utopia, a breathtaking story about people defecting from North Korea and the incredibly dangerous journey that they must navigate past a guarded border and through a communist China. There's zero recreations in the film, and amazingly, live footage of escape attempts and live behind the border, life behind the border is being seen for the first time. The movie does an excellent job educating us on the socio-political factors that have set up the situation we're seeing unfold, and balancing that with some of the most tense verite footage you'll ever see. It's heartbreaking, but also fascinating, and there's a true hero at the center of it, a South Korean pastor who risks his life to operate an underground railroad-style network. I truly cannot recommend this documentary more highly. This week, something old comes from 1991. It was on Netflix for the past few months, but I, I just checked and it's off there now. It's Backdraft. We love the 1990s as a movie decade because of how earnest and unself aware, which in this case is a positive in comparison to the meta self referential irony of today, those movies were. In that category, this would be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Kurt Russell, Billy Baldwin, and Robert De Niro star as firefighters in Chicago who all wax poetic about how firefighting is the most important, most honorable calling a man, and yes, always a man, could possibly achieve. If you buy in, this movie has a lot to offer, whether it's a conspiracy plot about an arsonist blowing up suspiciously linked targets, or the relationship story of two brothers trying to find their way out of their father's shadow. Or the fact that those two plot lines don't really connect. <laughs> we got Donald Sutherland, we got Scott Glenn, Jennifer Jason Lee rounding out a strong cast, and director Ron Howard is one of the most reliable pair of hands of the era, giving the fire scenes more than enough flair, pun intended, to, to satisfy any viewer. <laughs> This week's the Stream is now available on Netflix. It's The Next Three Days. This is very much my kind of movie. <laughs> a pure plot-centric thriller about a woman, played by Elizabeth Holmes, or excuse me, Elizabeth Banks, who gets accused of murder and sent to jail. And her husband, played by Russell Crowe, who, after extinguishing all legal options, decides to break her out and escape. Directed by Paul Haggis... Best known as the director of controversial Best Picture winner *Crash*, he does the old Steven Soderbergh trick of not giving you all the puzzle pieces, so you're kept in the dark, upping the mystery and suspense as Crow somehow goes from meek college professor to hardened mastermind criminal in the span of a few weeks. Yes, the details are exaggerated in that Hollywoody, sorrowed of way, but isn't that the kind of what you're hoping for in a movie that delivers on its promise for action and suspense? Besides, Crow is a movie star incarnate here, holding the screen with his presence and his charisma in a way that makes it easy to overlook any other flaws. If you're looking for a movie that's fun and takes itself seriously, but isn't that serious, this is The Perfect Streamer. All right, guys, that is going to do it for this week's show. I really appreciate you listening. I really appreciate you kicking off 2024 with me. As for next week's show, uh, I still have not seen the Iron Claw. I really want to see the Iron Claw. So hopefully I get to do that and talk about it next week. Also, All of Us Strangers is now here in Los Angeles. Um, and that was kind of a, a awards... I mean, it's, it's on the back burner of the awards show, but it is in that conversation. So I'm hoping to see that one too. If I can get to both of those, we will be talking about them next Friday. I want to mention that uh, the best place to find me is at mattcraig.substack.com. That is the newsletter link. That is where you will find um, my weekly newsletters, not only on Friday, but also on Tuesday where I do Internet Roundup. And on the Friday's show, one thing that's not in the podcast is my trailer watch, which this week is talking about Jake Johnson's self-reliance Big fan of Jake Johnson uh, and big fan of uh, His Sensibility. So I'm looking forward to seeing that movie. I'm pretty sure it goes straight to Hulu in the next couple of weeks. So you'll want to check that trailer out. And again, mattcraig.substack.com. Uh, you can subscribe on there. You can reply to those emails and get in touch with me there or on Twitter at Mr. Matt Craig if you would like. I just know Twitter is headed down the tubes. <laughs> so until next Friday, guys, as I always say, I guess I'll see you at the movies.